Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and lots to cover this week. We watched episode 7 of WandaVision. We talked a lot about the Golden Globes nominations. The Golden Globes are going to air on NBC on Sunday, February 28th at 4pm Pacific Time, in case you actually are going to tune in like at least Matt and I are. We also watched Judas and the Black Messiah, which is streaming on HBO Max, which is based on the true story of Fred Hampton, who was the leader of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party, and William O'Neill, who was an FBI informant who had been placed to undermine him and we watched the Framing Britney Spears documentary which is on Hulu. So a spoiler alert for all of the things I just mentioned and of course be sure to stay tuned after as there are a couple of follow-up points and without further ado here's we're watching what? Okay let's talk about WandaVision and how spoilers it was Agatha all along. <laughs> like how happy, <laughs> how happy were you when <laughs> I mean happened? I was thrilled. I, I had to give myself like a little like tiny little pat on the back. I know a lot of people eventually they hope you predicted it and stuff. I was so excited that it's fun to be right about something, you know. <laughs> to be like, oh my that's gosh. very fair. So you gave yourself a pat on the back because it was not a hard prediction to make if you're you know, you're thinking maybe just thinking about the name. But uh, I I love the I love it for Catherine Hahn. You know, she's if if this yes. show, I mean, you know you think like if this show was nothing else but a vehicle for Catherine Hahn to be in the Marvel universe, then that's all we need. I mean, please welcome. I like a cool character in the Marvel universe. Yes, <laughs> we love you. We're excited. I'm into it. I did love that they just like dropped it. They're like, it, you were right, nerd. <laughs> it was Agatha all along. And I like the little song and the like. I oh, so catchy. The nod to the monsters. I think I watched it 75 times. I mean, yeah. it was so monsters, and it was so. It was, I loved it so much, but. I think what I love, too, is we talk about Easter eggs and reveals and all these things. And the Marvel Universe has been, you know, doing this all along. No, you know, but um, but talk about kind of a more obscure character that most people, unless you're like deep in comic book nerdum, probably aren't very familiar with. But they still did it in a way where they're like, well, here will be a fun reveal or whatever. And it's like, I guess they just trust that everyone was going to try to figure out this and that and theories would launch and people would know. And then enough to where if you didn't know who she was before, you probably were still really excited about it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, I love it. Well, if you didn't know who she was before, the internet told you who she was. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like, you know, the internet tells you and whatever. But if you didn't, you still, it's like, okay, this was awesome. It felt like a, I mean, I would think it felt like a big deal. And I love that they just commit to doing that. Yeah, I like. I love that they committed to it. She's not a character I'm super familiar with in the comics. I just haven't happened to read anything she's in. But obviously, it was still very exciting for me, having been on this podcast and listened to uh, predictions, and then also reading articles and things online. So, um, and I really just loved how how they revealed it. I love the little jingle. I love the monsters theme. I I lived for every moment of it. But you know, the rest of the episode was amazing too I was having a very good time basically from start to finish I really enjoyed like I'm actually and obviously the acting is great in all the ways but I really feel like Elizabeth Olsen is just killing it with all the different characters and references that she's portraying I thought that she did like an amazing job with this kind of modern family-esque Yes, we we finally got to Modern Family. Like it <laughs> yeah, was without right. a doubt Modern Family. I was like, oh, and it, I think that gives to their credit the subtlety of the difference between Malcolm in the Middle and Modern Family is so minimal. But when they started doing the like to camera interstitials, I was like, oh, this is one hundred percent Modern Family. Like without well, yeah, a doubt. And then she's always, you know, and she's this kind of overworked. Yeah, she's Claire from hired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she just did yeah. such a good job with it that I was deeply impressed. Well, and- yeah. Even though we'd been noticing, even though this whole show, she's been playing different caricatures and this and that, and she's been funny. This was the, yeah, the first episode where I really thought about it in a way where I was like, Elizabeth Olsen's really funny. And 
you know, we've seen her in other roles besides Wanda and everything, but she was making me laugh as much as Catherine Hahn was making me laugh. And Catherine Hahn's a comedian, <laughs> you know, and Catherine Hahn makes me laugh always. Like she can just say anything. But I was actually laughing at several things, several moments with Wanda in this episode that I hadn't been in, in previous episodes. And I do think Vision did a great job too. Paul Bettany yeah, had it. Everyone you know, did. um, when he's like, why am I talking to you? And he's like, you know, yeah. in the bus, in the, she's clearly making this happen so we can't get to her, you know, sequences. I thought those were hilarious. I enjoyed some yeah. Darcy and Vision time in the weird circus. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed with this show. Please, please end well, because <laughs> I'm going to be so sad. Well, and I will say like, I was, I, this was my favorite episode so far. And the only thing that it's not even necessarily a downside at all, but for me is because they're so short. And again, it's actually very akin to kind of like reading a comic book, right? Like you're reading it and it's so short. It's 25 pages, but 25 That's pages true. in yeah. comic book world is not that long. And so you think you read one, you have to wait usually a month for the next installment. Sometimes it's two weeks, but usually it's a month. And so it's kind of like that, that same kind of experience. And when, when we're getting places finally, and we know the world's falling apart for her and we're, we're, you know, we're going to get places here. And then you see what Monica Rambeau, who we haven't even mentioned yet, is like going through and all this kind of amazing stuff. I know. I was just going to say, so, yeah. It's so like, oh, okay, let's go there. And then so that the, the Vision Darcy stuff had me antsy. Like I was like, okay, this isn't going anywhere right now. Can we please get back to where I want to be? So like, it's just funny because I was feeling very, because I was like, we don't have this, we don't have time for this. <laughs> like when they're trying, when they're getting <laughs> It's funny, but I was just like, because I know this thing is so short, we don't have time. But it's like, looking back, I love it all. But it's just- We don't, have, we don't have time for your hijinks, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't have time no, for I it this episode. Because it was like, I, I, mean, need, I, can... I need to get where you gotta go. But I, st I love it looking back. It's just during, it was very stressful. I mean, clearly I love all the photon stuff. I'm obsessed with it. I'm so excited to see where she goes with her superpowers and, you know, what happens afterward. And I think, are we aligned that it's photon? I'm, I feel pretty confident in that we've gone with photon, like that of the of the mantles. Yeah, I thought maybe we would go with Spectrum because, you know, it showed... Oh, I guess, no, was... you're right. It could be Spectrum because of... Because well, it showed that her mom was Maria saw. Photon, you know? And um, mm. the powers are the same. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But I know most recently in a comic, she's been Spectrum, and they tend to kind of do that, I think, like where they kind of go with their more recent stuff in the movies as far as what they're calling people, but maybe not. I almost feel like because they called out the Photon thing, that's why we're going to get Photon. Yeah, she might go like, by as her an mother's homage mantle. to her mother. Yeah. But then also I think what we saw though, with like the visual spectrum of it, you know, the little like wave lines yeah. could it could lend itself to either. So I, I take it, it back totally in that could, yeah. it could be also I I don't know if we talked about this. We were actually wrong last week, or I was probably wrong last week. Uh there are nine episodes, so we do have two more. That's what I thought. Yeah, in. so I'm excited. And there's yeah, like this thing exciting. on the internet where people think there might be a secret tenth episode, but I kind of feel like I mean, as much as I wish that were true and I am pro giving me more content, I think that they would have told us. Yeah. And it feels like we've moved to a place where I'm not sure. I mean, I would love it to last forever, but knowing there's two more episodes and we got this, this Agatha reveal and it's clearly going to lead other places. It feels like we're kind of getting to that point where we're going to get where it's going, <laughs> you know? So I feel like a 10th would be amazing, but I think they can do it in nine. So I hope that they do it well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think... I'm, yeah. I'm surprised we got this Agatha reveal here. Feels like a penultimate episode kind of reveal. So it's going to be interesting to see where we go next week. And then I think the other thing was, you know, they've they've set our expectations so constantly. It's like, okay, the credits are going to be a third of the show. And then suddenly 
And it was very, very short. And I have to give credit to a friend of mine who texted me. They're like, it's an after credit scene. And I was like, what? And I was I was actually just about to turn it off. Like it had just been playing. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm done with my episode. And then about 10 seconds after they said that, I was like, oh, I guess I should leave it on. The, the mid-credits, you know, but keeping us on our toes is what they're doing. Yeah. I thought it was really rude. And I thought that, you know, they should be ashamed <laughs> of themselves. Because as much as I want the mid-credit scene, like, I'm sorry, you fooled me so many times is unfair to suddenly have content. Yeah. Luckily, the whole internet told me about it and it's fine, but I didn't get to watch it until the next day. Yeah, and it wasn't like a pivotal thing, but I, I agree. It was so random. And I I am happy that, cause you, I mean, I think we talked about when we first saw Pietro appear, I was like, please do not let this be someone from the X-Men universe like this and that. And he may still very well be. But it kind of confirms that, you know, and we saw, he, obviously, he's not exactly what we want, which they want her to think he is, I guess, right? But we saw that at least it's like, okay, he's clearly there and he's working with Agatha, whether Agatha's controlling him fully or what's going on, and if he's even Pietro. But it just kind of made me happy that it wasn't just like as simple as like she just ripped him from a different dimension and he's just there. You know what I mean? There's something more sinister with him going on. So that made me happy. And I and I feel like that that credit scene kind of confirms it a little bit when he's kind of like approaching Monica being like, oh, you're snooping around. Huh? Like, you know, <laughs> you know, I know. I think that actually raised the most questions for me because I was like, OK, if he is in cahoots with Agatha and she has summoned him here somehow, why would it be him? You know, why would it be? Because like Scarlet Witch would have no idea who this was. She has. We talked about this last week where she doesn't know who he is. Like, why would she know that that's the Quicksilver of right. her universe or the and Pietro that's what I or the hated Peter about, or whoever yeah. it may be? When he first appeared, that's what I hated. I was like, why would you even say Pietro? But now that we see Agatha was the one like putting him there in that doorway, she very well could have put the information in Wanda's head. And Wanda was for some reason thought like knew it was Pietro. You know what I mean? Like. Now that we know there was some sort of... Well, and there might be a thing where, like, she wanted someone that Wanda would trust, right? And she can't bring someone back from the dead. So she pulled a multiverse version in, hoping that it would be enough. Yeah, or that X-Men universe does exist in the multiverse, and she found that guy in this universe, and he's not Quicksilver in this universe. Or it's just them trying to pull a fast one on us, and she just got a random guy, and it happens to be the same guy who played him. And who knows? You know, it's like... I know. I, I would be like, pretty upset if that was the case, though. No, I, I agree. But I, I that, that's why I'm kind of like, I'm, on, I'm on pins and needles. But it's a thing where there are several, there are a few different things that they, let's just be honest, I, especially in this episode, they are either heavily teasing Mephisto or they want us to think they are, right? So they're doing certain things that are very mm. like, okay, it's, it's a thing. I'm sure it's all over the internet, too. But like Mephisto and that, that shot of that fly, I mean, come on. That was that's such a nod. Like Mephisto's first appearance on Earth is as a fly. And it's like we just like decided to hang on this random fly on, on Agatha's blinds, like a close up with this CG shot of this fly that they paid for for what? Like what what did that have to do with anything? It's okay, like, I did not get that at all from it, that. Like I would yeah. not have in a million oh, interesting. years. <laughs> but I'm like, why this shot of this fly? Like it just like didn't make sense to me otherwise. And then it's like when you know that about Mephisto, it seemed very and then you go down in this dungeon and well, I'm calling it a dungeon, but it's a basement, whatever. But again, it's creepy, it looks like it's out of Dracula's castle, whatever. But there's all these fake heads on the wall, carvings of like look like a devil face, which can just be a devil, but they're doing all kinds of things that are like I think that they know are going to make people think Mephisto. So whether he's happening or not, if he's not happening, they want us to think he is, they want to fool us. And then it's kind of like annoying, you know? 
So I could see them, if they're doing that, I could see them doing this with like a Quicksilver thing, like, oh, you know the multiverse is coming and they know the fans will jump all over it and think, oh, this means those, that X-Men is part of this universe now. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We don't know. But it's just, it's, it'll be very interesting to see. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. I think at this point, I am subscribing to the idea. It's like a kind of a hybrid of Agatha helped her punch through the universe and grabbed the other Quicksilver, right? And then my hope is that he is true. Like as much as I dislike the idea of that, I'm like, okay, it's fine. At this point, we need the multiverse. And so if that's the way we get it, that's fine. In that Agatha ended up being the person who was like, eh, grab that Quicksilver. Because again, we've established we can't bring people aside from Vision back from the dead yeah, because he's a robot, <laughs> um, you know? And so she grabbed that one. And and my thought was like, well, they don't have shared memories because that Quicksilver just never went to with Sokovia or whatever it is. You know, it's like they had no actual. He was American. Yeah. Right. So it's like they you couldn't be like, oh, I remember this, you know, thing that happened to us when we were kids. And then our timelines diverged. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that that's the case just because. But again, I, I guess it just doesn't explain why she would be like, yes, that's definitely Quicksilver, um, yeah. even though I have questions about it. I think I think you're right that I think Agatha, whether it's that Evan Peters as a person in this in 616, like this universe, or it is Peter from, you know, <laughs> from X-Men world uh, in a different yeah. universe, regardless of what it is, I do think that Agatha, if she brought him there, had the knowledge that he is Quicksilver in a universe, like in the multiverse, right? So it's a thing mm-hmm. where, where someone has that knowledge and whatever. Because my interpretation is, you know, maybe she, yeah, maybe she brought him there, maybe she didn't, who knows. But like, she's trying to get through to Wanda. I, I don't like to read articles on, online because I'm just trying to create theories and I don't want to like, I don't know. But it's like, I have seen people like on Twitter and stuff like that and kind of, oh, I knew it. I knew she was the villain all along and the big villain reveal and all this, whatever. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if, I'm just watching a different show, but I didn't, I don't see this as Agatha being a villain. I see this as Agatha being a villain to Wanda right now, but Wanda's bad right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what Wanda's doing is terrible, whether That's she's true. under influence or not. And, and Agatha shows her here is me all along. Like she's been the one messing up Wanda's perfect show, but that's not a bad thing. The only thing that I see her as doing is bad. I know she killed the dog, but what I see her as doing as mm-hmm. bad is like, she's obviously trying to keep sword away from Wanda but we don't even know that sword's good right now we don't know anything so to me Agatha's like I thought this she sensed that there's a witch that there's a that there's a presence like this potential nexus being if you won't go there with that commercial right the nexus Mm -hmm. here it's like she's drawn to it and she's arriving to try to get through to Wanda but trying to do it in a way that she knows Wanda will respond to and then she thinks let me bring her brother here let me bring this and she's trying to do things because she wants to be like hey by the way there's a I don't know I I I disagree I I mean maybe she's not the big villain maybe Mephisto is like the bigger villain who's sort of taking advantage of the situation but I do think that she is in league with Mephisto or, you know, somehow trying to keep Wanda in the hex is what it, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't know. To me, that jingle was definitely some sort of I'm doing this. I'm part of this. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Jackie on this one, just because I think I partially agree with you, Matt, in that I don't think she's like a big bad necessarily. Right. But I agree in that what Scarlet Witch is doing is not good right now in that it's morally questionable. Obviously, there's a lot of like trauma and sadness that have motivated it. But we now know it's not a good thing. People are suffering as a byproduct of this. I also agree that S.W.O.R.D. is a questionable entity. Let's be honest, they're probably going to end up being like a Hydra 2 or something like that, right? It'd be but so annoying. 
I know. Oh, um, you really think that? Because I didn't ever think that. And now I'm like upset about it. I think the dude in charge is sketchy. Yeah, yeah he's I but I also well, that's why don't I'm now trust white men in authority position. <laughs> well, of course. But now I'm thinking I never that didn't even occur to me. But now it now Well, it, because what's his face is hiding stuff and Darcy's a master hacker. Totally, and he's a dick. Like I get it. Like I feel you. I'm just I didn't think of that and now I'm upset. I mean, I think whatever they were doing with Vision is questionable, right? So I, I yeah. maybe not all of Sword, maybe it's not like all of you so know maybe, Hydra. Has been I there. mean, I mean, at the start of this jingle, we see Agatha flying there in her like not outfit, like you know whatever, and changing mm-hmm. into the first time we see her in the show. So like to me, I'm like, here she is. She's arriving in Westview, and just putting it in Wanda's head that she's been there all along. Okay, now I'm I'm, I'm changing. I mean, that's how I saw it. I don't know. And to me, everything we saw was bad for Wanda, but not bad for anything else. That, that she was like, but it is Agatha bad for anything along. else because it's, but it's keeping these people. But it's Agnes slowly or Agatha slowly trying to crack the the. Make the I don't feel like she's Wanda. trying to crack it though. That's the thing. I think That's she's trying I to think. keep I them like in the that. right. Yeah, which I do think makes her not necessarily like a pure-hearted thing because she's trying to encourage Wanda to keep this thing. And maybe, maybe eventually they'll be like, oh, it's to prevent her from spreading it even further, right? Like contain the damage to, because we saw what happened when she expanded the bubble. And and so maybe that's like supposedly a motive, but I don't think that's going to end up being the case. I think they're setting up, you know, Agatha as the, the sort of gateway drug to Wanda being the big bad for the next coming however many films. Yeah, and it could be. I, I think she wants wants Wanda I don't think she cares about anything else like when when Vision was uh, trying to escape the hex and like we specifically saw Pietro try to be like don't worry about it who cares blah blah whatever it's like and if he's if he's potentially under Agatha's employer Mm -hmm. control it's like they don't care that maybe she knew he couldn't get out of it but also like whatever who cares what happens to him she I just think she wants Wanda and she's like the witches in the Marvel universe are so are such a like I could see Agatha being like I don't want you over here with all of these like with the government and all these Avengers and all this whatever and kind of be like let me show you this side of the world with the witchcraft and all this different stuff like I could totally see it and she's never been a villain in the comics ever but doesn't mean she couldn't be right and that's the thing that throws me off is that she's never been a villain in the comics so it's kind of a strange thing but I do feel like she wasn't actively trying to stop the hex. It doesn't feel like that. Oh, and I don't so... think she's trying to stop it. I think she's trying to, I think she knows that going in and just trying to like counter Wanda when, like, I think she's been slowly doing things to try to mess it up. Like she's there and they're doing the magic, the magic show that's supposed to go a certain way. And it's messing up because she's messing it up. Why is she messing it up? She's messing it up to kind of get through to Wanda not being in control of everything. What other reason is there for her to do it? But by the same token, it's like, why would she do that whole faking, oh my God, you're dead thing to Vision? Why would she set him on a path that would force him to sort of go outside the hex, which is what caused the expansion of the hex, is well, her realizing that Vision has like tried to leave and then, you know, being like, ha we've we've grown the bubble. Yeah, but I don't know that she necessarily- And, and it's not like, that she would know that, that that was the end result. Yeah, like I think she knew she was getting rid of Vision or like, or cluing him in and kind of getting that like- you know, and she already tried to clue Vision in already with with Monica Rambeau being there because she wanted her gone. But it was just this thing where it was like she's been kind of dropping little things here and there. Like, I think I'm not saying she wants the hex gone necessarily. I don't think she's trying to save the day, but I think she wants Wanda. And I'm not sure that it's because she's like, oh, I'm a big bad. She could totally be. She's that's the other piece of it. I mean, I don't know. I, was ever, I think we're probably all familiar with it on some level. But that book that she has that looks like it's casting something. I'm assuming it's the Darkhold, which is a very 
popular book in the Marvel Universe and comics anyway. And it's made of spells by this guy named Cthon, who's an old dark god, whatever. And so he could be involved, who knows. But it's just a thing where a lot of different people throughout the history have like gotten a hold of this book and tried to use it, dating all the way back to like Merlin and Morgan Le Fay and all that, like way back in the day, right? And so it's just been through the history and everything. And so she's doing something with that. And maybe that's what's happening with uh, Pietro or whatnot, but she's clearly involved. It's the, the Darkhold's the Book of Sins. So if that is the book, it's not a good book, but witches and different kind of beings have tried to use it for, for personal gain, of course, but it's not necessarily like an indicator that she's bad, but it could be an indicator. You know what I mean? That she's in league with someone. You know, she's involved with the with the kids stuff in the comics too, with leading to House of M and stuff and like Wanda losing her kids to Mephisto and this and that. And she eventually does like wipe Wanda's brain of the children. And then when she has to unwipe that for a certain reason, Wanda freaks out and like kills her in the comics. Like it's like this thing, but then her ghost sticks around, right? But it's this thing where she has a history of being drawn to powerful beings, I guess. You know what I mean? And it's like, I could see her just wanting something more out of Wanda that we just don't know what that is yet. But I just don't, I don't know. I don't see her as like the villain. But we'll see. I'm, I'm ready to be wrong, <laughs> you know? Yeah, again, I don't think she's being set up as the explicit villain. Yeah. I don't think she's the big bad, but I definitely yeah. think, I don't think her motives are good for Wanda. Yeah, I, whether, I agree Whether that. that means she wants Wanda under control because Wanda's super powerful and so she's trying to kind of whatever, whether that's she's under contract or whatever with Mephisto. I, I don't know what it means, but I, I don't think she's good for Wanda. Oh, I know she is not good for Wanda. Mm. <laughs> I mean, who knows? I, don't know. I, I could absolutely be wrong. And, and that's the thing is like, we'll see. And I'll be happy to be wrong. I'm cool. I would argue I'm not sure that being in the Avengers so far has been good for Wanda. So No, <laughs> that has not either. <laughs> you are absolutely right. That has not been good for Wanda either. Expanding her mind and teaching her the ways of magic and kind of letting her unlock what her abilities are and stuff could be totally good for Wanda. So like, I'm not yeah, saying she's going to save the day and yeah. she's like, let me help this poor girl. But I think it's like, oh, one of us is here. Let me get her and bring her over here to this side of the woods. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, and yeah, I guess, just, you know. Yeah, I mean, being being an Avenger has definitely never been good for her. So I, I, yeah. I definitely agree with you there. And, yeah, and I guess good for Wanda means, like, good for good Wanda. We could, you know, she could be great for evil Wanda. That's the, that's yeah, the other road. True. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're kind of taking the Paragon road. I guess I don't believe that her motives in helping Wanda are pure, whatever that means. Right. Yeah. Whether or not it ends up being good for Wanda in the long run, I guess we'll see. Um, so I, I'm not committed to that, I guess. But I, I feel like she's in some way has malicious intent towards Wanda currently. Whether or not that eventually helps her or is going to help her or whatever. I would frame it as she is imposing her own motives on Wanda, whatever they may be, mm-hmm. right? So she might not be yeah, good for I Wanda in for what Wanda wants to do, but that doesn't also mean that what Wanda wants to do is good either. Like good for yeah. herself, right? Not even good, like good, bad, evil, good. Right. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, it's it's very interesting. And I think I think the other thing that we kind of need to keep in mind is as much as we have drawn so much of this from the comics, this is clearly their own version of it, right? Totally, so yeah. Just because Agatha hasn't been uh, evil before, or again, evil is relative, doesn't yeah. mean that like she can't be a stepping stone. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, I really want to see yeah. Catherine Hahn as a villain, though. So I'm pretty... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I would be pretty stoked about that. Yeah, I think as much as I love a villain, I think I'd rather have her stick around in the actual Agatha role because she's a stick. Oh, yeah. So it's just like, I think like... You know, I like, I, I, I think she's, she could be delicious as a villain, too, but I like the Oh, the I don't expect, even if she is a villain, that she wouldn't go on. 
you think she well, would I, I like, I like, story. I guess I like their relationship and the things that I've read. I guess it's like, so I like their, their little partnership and the, the mentorship. I'd rather have that than a villain. I think they could both do that if Wanda goes bad too, right? Well, so, no, I, no, no, yeah, totally. But I mean, even if, even if we get back to where Wanda's good, I like her as like a partner slash mentor, like elder witch to Wanda. So I like would rather have that. Don't call Catherine Hahn elder. <laughs> no, well, well, she's been around. She survived the Salem. She's trial. not. So, like, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know, I know. <laughs> but I will say, leading going on that though, I was like, if Marvel loves me at all, we will see the Salem witch trials in this show. I want a flashback. I want, I want, I want her to be like, here's who I am, and I want to see her in the Salem witch trials. And I'm saying that right now. She was around when when Atlantis sucked into the ocean. I would be here to see that too. And that leads to Wakanda stuff. I mean, I doubt we'll get that, but I just like, if they love me at all, we're what, at least what has ever led you to believe that Marvel loves you? Not, not a lot, but you know, I'm just holding <laughs> yeah. out hope here. Or I'm any of us, just you, any of us. Yeah. I'm holding out hope here, you know? I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll I live too. For okay. So we have two episodes left. We, you know, I think we all are very excited and very apprehensive and all the things. And also sort of not ready. No, not ready at all. I'm ready for the answers. I was just going to say, I feel like this episode just like sped by and there so much happened, but also not a lot happened. I mean, two more episodes and then nothing. And of course, I'm looking forward to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I'm not certain that's going to be my show. It looks like it's going to be a little action-y for me, which is not like my favorite part of anything. So it's going to be a bummer. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that one. I'm excited. I just love Winter Soldier so much and like the character and like, I don't know, I just, I'm really, I'm looking, I'm hopeful, but yeah, it could be real. I love him too, but I just... I don't know. The buddy cop thing is not always my thing. So we'll see. I could well, I guess not I, mean, I love less. the movie so much too. Oh, you couldn't care less? <laughs> yeah. I just, I, you know, it's my, I fell asleep in theaters during the movie and I woke up. It's my you know, favorite Marvel I, film. I know. I just, I don't know how we have these conversations <laughs> and survive them. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll watch it obviously, but it's not. Yeah. I love, I love the movie Winter Soldier a lot actually, but I don't. I don't know. I'm not excited about the show. We'll see. For me, that movie is very action heavy too, but it's mostly sequences that I actually really enjoy, which is rare for me. And so maybe I'm holding out that same kind of hope, but like I look forward to the action sequences in that film hardcore. Most of the sequences I liked were Black Widow related. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. I fell asleep in the middle of a sequence and woke up and like it was still going. Oh. And, it had and that's been, you part know, of the reason why I liked it because Ugh. I really liked getting to know Natasha a little bit better. I liked seeing her relationship with Captain America. I so I liked that all of it. I just not I'm not sure the things I like about the Winter Soldier are going into this TV show, but it doesn't mean I mean I'll be very happy if I'm wrong. I also wasn't really looking forward to Mandalorian. So yeah, yeah that finale sequence and the car chase with Nick Fury, I live for. It. I'm just like there's so many, every action sequence in that movie, I just love it. So I'm I'm hopeful, but we'll see. Baron Zemo coming back too could be interesting. You know, uh, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I mean. I'll, I'll watch it. So, I mean, well, yeah, of course we'll all watch it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I just, you know, in some ways it's better for me. Yeah, that's true. There's less expectation and like investment. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't super jazzed about WandaVision to start, but it has certainly grown on me. I'm still not, could it could lose me in the last few, but I think this episode with the Agatha all along actually was a, a big tipping point of like, oh, okay. You. I'm very excited. And then the Golden Globes are coming up. And Emily in Paris is nominated for multiple Golden Globes. A lot of things that just don't deserve to be nominated for Golden Globes, I think, have been nominated for Golden Globes. And I found it shocking. What are your thoughts on this year's batch? I mean, I want to make a joke about the Emily in Paris thing because it's like, I know we might have even exchanged them, I think. But I know there's things where it's like, oh, if that can get nominated for five Golden Globes, then 
you can do this or whatever, like all these we things. We have actually been nominated this podcast. Yeah. Within, no, okay. There you go. But that's what I mean is like, you want, I want to make a joke about it, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's, I hate to say it, but you know, it's just because of who's involved. I, I, I'm like, any other, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean like Nicole Kidman for The Undoing got yeah, nominated. Yeah, like I know. Love her, but I know. It's it's not like we, the thing is, is it was a really weird year, but it's not like we had, not like we had so much le- less programming than we ever had before. Like we had plenty of shows and things like right. movies were a little more lacking, but the shows all happened. <laughs> you know, they still the came shows out. shows so. all there. So yeah. And so, and those are a lot of the noms I'm really confused about are the shows. Well, because the yeah, movies, absolutely. it made sense when we looked, you know, the movies we knew were going to be light. So we kind of knew what was going to happen there. No, but really quickly, the movies really confused me because like first cow is a film that almost every critics group has awarded or nominated Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be completely, completely locked out of best picture drama. And so for best picture drama, it's like the father, which is actually pretty decent, but I don't think anybody has seen it except for a couple critics mank, which I couldn't stand nomadland, which it's going to win by default promising young woman, which I think is excellent. And we will talk about at some point. And then trial of Chicago seven, I don't love, but I get why it was, you know, it's like fodder for this type of award. But then when you get to something like best picture musical comedy, you've got Borat. Okay, fine. I know Jackie, you did not like it, but I understand it making its way there. Hamilton. It's technically a musical music by Sia, which has been, it has got nothing but flack. Like, absolutely nothing but flack. Yeah, I was shocked by that. I was so upset about that, honestly. Yeah, Palm Springs, which I actually thought was very funny and entertaining, and then The Prom, which, come on. Like, come on. You know why. Hamilton. The thing that's interesting about that entire list is, I mean, and no shade to, we're in the presence of at least one Hamilton stand, and I know, Dana, you probably like it a lot. Hamilton. Oh, I mean, I yeah. I like it. I am not obsessed with it. I think Lin Manuel Miranda is a genius, without yeah. a doubt. But by the time I got to see it, it had been so overhyped oh. for me that it was not as delightful. In fact, the Disney Plus version made me like it a little bit more because I actually got to enjoy it without people like the one when I saw it on Broadway. Oh yeah, everyone had already like memorized it basically. Sure, sure. Yeah. And so the people in the audience were like singing along and also <laughs> laughing before the jokes had been made. Like an excitement. And I was like, what the. <laughs> fuck yeah. is happening here yeah I, I guess i just have a hard time I, I guess it counts but i have a hard time thinking like you film i don't think it counts and you're and, calling and it a movie is, i just don't i don't know it I, work i'll for agree me. it's not yeah i'll say i'm a hamilton stan i love the soundtrack i love i was that obnoxious person in the theater no I, i'm a liar i don't actually sing along with them because that's in your head you are that would have been rude but I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, w- I don't do that i might have laughed too soon sometimes who knows but i'm sure what's going on in your brain i'll is cop to that so. like you know i'll cop to that <laughs> You know, because I've seen it eh, five times, probably. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that person. But I will absolutely think it does not count as a movie. <laughs> if you want to make it a movie, fine. You know, and you I make think a movie of it. But you just I'm sure filmed, you filmed them doing they it. They filmed a stage play. And that's not the same thing to me. So I, I, will I agree. I, yeah. It's um, that, massive he, production going into it. But it just, yeah, it doesn't feel the same. It's just kind of. Well, it's not the same and and that's not and also it just seems unfair yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> like it's just so wildly popular and so i mean my fear is like in a situation like that i'm like because of the fact that we've just given up on integrity here i'm like the prom is probably gonna win probably and which in, if you're playing okay the musical the musical game hamilton is a million times of a better musical well yeah but it's not a movie so Right, but we're talking we're talking about pitting money against money and you know it's Disney versus yeah. Netflix in this. I guess technically Amazon has Borat. I mean but- Hamilton might just win. 
Right, yeah, it might. But I would I would pick Hamilton, the not movie, over, you know, the prom any day. Yeah, see, I think I would pick the prom because it's actually a movie. Like just for the win. I don't I wouldn't necessarily like give it an award otherwise. But like <laughs> I think I but I think I would I would give it that because it is a movie. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's weird. It's like I think I would give it to almost I mean, I haven't seen the CO one and I don't necessarily want to because of the backlash and stuff. I never uh, it, I'm not you know, yep. I just don't want to support that, and it's, it's upsetting, I guess, in this day and age. Yeah, but I, it's the thing where it's uh, at least it's a movie. So I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. They almost, it just doesn't really feel like that to me. But <laughs> I'm like, were there no other options that we just were that were that slim pickings where we're gonna like call a filmed performance a movie? You know? I feel like there had to be other comedies. But then oh, I'm know. sure there were other comedies. Yeah. Like I, it's just the fact that we don't award them, and like Glenn Close got nominated for Hillbilly Elegy, which we know how I feel about. Yeah. <laughs> I did think she was really good in that, but I, I, res- I get, yeah, yeah, but, but still, yeah. Do we need to award the movie? No. Or best supporting actor in a motion picture, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and Black Messiah, which I think is a correct choice, and we'll talk about that movie in a minute or in a little bit. But I'm just like, so many more people from that film deserve to be nominated over the other people in other categories. Yeah. Honestly, I would have, and I didn't think Emma was like the best thing I've ever seen, but I would have nominated that over some of those movies, over music for sure. For Emma. Emma for best, yeah. Oh, I had a pretty low opinion of that one. Yeah. Oh, I, I liked Emma. I liked Emma I liked pretty well, it. but I mean, I liked it better than some of the ones on that list. That's fair. That, yeah, better than the ones on that list for sure. But what would about Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar? Is that this year? Okay, doesn't count. You joke. I love Barb and Star go to Vista oh. Del Mar. Oh, I loved it. Don't get me yeah, wrong. It was, oh, I haven't watched it, but I heard it was oh. What did I just watch? But I loved I it. I loved yeah. it so much. Yeah. I rarely rewatch new movies just because I have to watch so many movies. And I was like, yeah. I was in a really like sad mood the other day. And I was like, I'm going to watch Barb and Star again. <laughs> and it was like the perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 know I, a, I know a couple people have watched it a couple of times already. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it great. Twice. But it, yeah. it's, it's technically this year. So I'll, I'll excuse oh, its okay. absence. Fine. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know. I was just really yeah. upset. And then the more I read about the the fact that it's less than 90 people who are nominating, and I say this as a critic who's in a critic circle that's like a small group as well. Yeah. You know, oh, also that Minari didn't get nominated, but it got nominated as a foreign language film. No. You racist asshole. <laughs> it's yeah. an American film. Right. Bite me. It's a bunch of white guys. It's like, it's like, and there I are zero article, black people apparently. Zero in the black Hollywood people. I saw that article and it was like, this like oh the la times reveals you know blows the whistle on the it the thing kind of, we all like, knew yeah it's like oh they revealed it now like people are just gonna pretend we didn't know that before we've all known I that know. before like it's just a right. thing where it's like now they want to but but it goes back to we don't have to get into it but it goes back to just white people playing ignorant to every all the problems in the world and be like what i didn't know it was like that because now we and yet care. part of me is like envious right because i'm like yes i want to be flown to paris and get put up in a 1400 hundred dollar a night per you know room whatever and get to cavort around like i would love that we all would love that but it's not yeah. fair you know and it's it's just ugh. it's a bad some system. of these nominations are so upsetting i mean the one yeah, but then but on the other hand i'm like oh the Mandalorian got nominated. Well, that's a relief. Yeah, that like, that's nice to see that recognized. <laughs> I you did know, like that. I was excited. Yeah, but I, it just made me really sad about the fact that the Undoing got nominated is very upsetting for anything. Yeah, but best best television motion picture, which I'm like, is that a motion picture? No, it's I did a like miniseries. Everything that they've nominated for that is a miniseries. I've been yeah. a fan of Dev Patel's for a while, so I was pretty excited to see him nominated. 
Even though See, I haven't actually seen personal history of David Copperfields, I don't know if it's warranted or not. I don't know if it's warranted. I didn't really think it was, but I, I like him. Yeah. But I didn't. I was like, yeah. I mean, the there's a he's got he's got the Green Knight coming out someday, and I was like, I I, know, I, I right? haven't seen it yet. I really want to see it, but I was like, oh, that probably would have been a more justified theoretically. I haven't seen, again nomination than any of the any of the yeah. stuff. I saw um, Sound of Metal. Oh, Riz Ahmed. Yeah, Riz Ahmed. Yeah, he, I saw he got nominated, which was fun. I was yeah, excited. I mean, that's, he did good. I thought he was good. Yeah. yeah, I thought so too. I remember, I have to look at the category again, because I was like, I, I, when I saw that, I thought someone else was going to win it, uh, whether deserved or not. Let me look. I don't know. I mean, it's also just very upsetting scrolling through and being like, I'm blinded by how white this is. <laughs> and, it's just, and it's the same every time. And it's just kind of like disappointing but also, like, well, of course. It's just, it never makes it, like, more exciting to see. I it. can't believe The Great got nominated. I mean, I actually really enjoyed that show, but I wouldn't I have thought it was too. the best picture or best yeah. TV series. Oh, I was going to say for actor in a motion picture, I was going to say I think they're going to probably, Chadwick will probably win. And it's not to say that it's, yeah. like, undeserved, but that happens. You know what I mean? Like, it's just. Like, I agree. The posthumous kind of give him the honor. Not to open a can of worms, but it's it to me it's kind of like the Heath Ledger thing with that Dark Knight Returns. Where, oh, I will, yes, he's I will great. open. Yeah. yeah, he's he's great, but it's like, did he deserve the Oscar for that? I don't think so. No, but I think they gave it to him because he passed him away. Dying, you know. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. In my critics group, the San Francisco one, like that, somebody brought that point up in terms of nominee. You know, we we discuss it before we vote, mm-hmm. and you can advocate for whoever it is. And somebody's like, well, he won't have another opportunity to perform and I was like that's very true and very sad and I think he's a great actor and we have RIP but that doesn't mean that we should like inflate his existing performances no. just because he won't be able to give another one are we not, not evaluating them on like to be. right like are we evaluating on the talent that they have displayed or are we just being like oh this is a popular and I I again I mean, not to discredit him as an actor but that's what's happened this season no, but that's yeah. where the Oscars they do, and I know they always pick someone who's had some illustrious, huge career. But you could give him a lifetime achievement award. You could give him yeah. like you can still recognize in a way that's like this is an award. We're going to give this to his family, this and that, and how much we've appreciated the art that he has contributed to. Without saying, let me go ahead and give him this award, even if it's not as deserved as someone else. Well, it's you know, and the Oscars do this all the time, though. It's it's kind of like they waited until Return of the King to give Lord of the Rings basically most of the Oscars. Anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so even though it pains me to say this because I don't I don't know how I personally feel, actually, because I love them all so much. It's hard to say, but I wouldn't necessarily say that King is the best of the films. Right. You know, if you're looking at it objectively, but, you know, it waited until then. I firmly believe that Chicago won Best Picture only because Moulin Rouge should have won the year before, you know. (laughs) And they were finally ready to give it to a musical. I forgot that Chicago one. I did not. I'm not, not a fan. But yeah, I, I mean, I call them career Oscars, right? Where it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, or, or whatever the award may be. I just I find it really disappointing. Also, I'm like, if you really want to honor someone like this, like, why can't we be more productive about this? Uh, set up a, a fund in their name, especially Chadwick Boseman, who was somebody who benefited from someone else's scholarship. You right. know, like Denzel was the one who ended yeah, up past that happened forward. to end up. Mm-hmm. But instead of just being like, you know what, we're going to give and and this year is weird because I don't think the performances all around were that strong. And so it's right. like easier to let this slide by, but clearly this has happened before and will happen again. When I look at the list of the people nominated, you know, I watched Ma Rainey and I, I think that Chadwick was totally convincing in it. Like I wasn't my favorite film, but I think he was fine. I think he's as worthy of being on that list as any of the other people, mostly. So I'm not like mad that he's on it. And I don't, and if he wins, I'm not going to say, oh, he doesn't deserve that. It's not that, but it's more just kind of, 
I feel like he's going to be the shoe in because yeah. he passed away. And that's unfortunate. Whereas, like you're saying, you could do so many other things to kind of honor his legacy. And like, you know, want to give a lifetime award, do it. You know, and Chadwick did so much work with children's hospitals and different things like that as well. Like, go ahead and like, let's pay it forward in different ways and kind of honor his legacy in a way that he actually probably would have cared about. Which right. hopefully people are doing. But I just, you know, it's just a thing where it doesn't mean we have to give you the best actor award. It just seems, it just seems like a thing that always happens. That's the problem when you get humans to vote. <laughs> yeah. But not only that, it's like, I, I think it's like, We're the Academy, yeah, the Academy is at like 10,000 voters and this is 87 or something like that. It's happening. And I'm also, I'm again, livid about the Minari thing and like none of the actors yeah, were nominated. Yeah. Horrifying. I get that. Sure. Fine. Some of the performances were, but so the woman who plays, there's a grandmother in it and she is just so phenomenal she is she's i think the standout of that film and she has received i think every critics award every whatever not even nominated is just so blind to me well yeah it's, and it's just like beyond offensive that it's nominated in a foreign well the thing is though and also i mean because it's it's not for i'm reading like not foreign film but it's best motion picture in a foreign language right i mean is this something where i actually don't know for sure for the globes but where like i think it is right where like get out for example was under musical comedy because that's what the studio submitted it under correct so like in that but case I it's kind of like annoying you know on their part if that's i don't you know. think they did it i think that it was deemed ineligible oh okay like it was like you for... can't submit it here because it's a yeah yeah, I could be wrong. Uh, I'll have to look it up. But I mean, either way, like I promise you they submitted the actors and that none of them were nominated and that Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy was is ridiculous. Or like the the young girl from um, News of the World with like Tom Hanks, like she was fine yeah. in the movie she was in. But I was like, you're not better for a supporting actors. I was like, you weren't better than the grandmother from Minari. Right, right. <laughs> no. Sorry, <laughs> try again. I was gonna say, I think the category that I'm the most invested in, honestly, is is the original score this year, just because we didn't love all these movies in general, or whatever. But The Midnight Sky, so Alexander Desplat, which you know I liked the film, I think better than you guys did. But that music, I love. Like I that, that music stuck with me, and I've listened to it since. Like I loved that score. Tenet, I liked the score in Tenet. I thought that music was cool. And then um, I don't know about Mank, I don't really care, but um, Soul is up, which I would love if they won because I thought that soundtrack was a lot of fun. And then news. Ironically, the Mank is the same, but... essentially, people as yeah, Soul, it's Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. No, totally, but I'd rather they won for Soul, <laughs> yeah. you know. But like, <laughs> and any, I think oh, yeah, and Atticus yeah. are great, so it's like I wouldn't be mad. I think it's a like without a question, Soul for that category, just because yeah, this is one of those categories where it's like the same seven people over and over again. It just depends on whether or not they have a film out. You know, it's like oh, you get like yeah. your John Williams, you get your like uh, James Newton Howard, you get your it's the same, it's the same people. No, totally. So and overall, I wouldn't be surprised if i wouldn't be surprised if we see mank winning more than any of us think it should because the hollywood forum oh, i'm willing to guess are a lot of old people <laughs> so they they're like oh i remember i was there <laughs> yeah yeah they love all the guys hollywood yeah in their very expensive hotel rooms well because i could see jack fincher getting his posthumous award oh, for yeah. screenplay and you know which whatever but yeah <laughs> Not my fave. The category I'm actually most torn on is Best Musical Comedy Series, which Emily in Paris is nominated for, because I'm like, oh, Shit's Creek, which is, it's their last season. It was beautiful. I loved it. It's hilarious. But Ted Lasso, which is also just delightful as a show. I don't think it's better than Shit's Creek, but I do think it was so unexpected and very popular and just came out of nowhere, it felt like. Yeah. I could see it underdog you know somehow dethroning Shit's Creek and this is one where I'm like but it was their last season you can't they can't get nominated again <laughs> it's such a hypocritical 
But I think I feel like you know it was like Parks and Rec kept getting nominated and didn't win and didn't win. I was like, or like Thirty Rock was a show that that kept yeah. happening to a lot see, of comedies. I could see shits taking it because I mean, also you look at popularity. Yeah, a lot of the Apple TV Plus shows. I know you know we had Morning Show nominated last year and stuff, but a lot of them I don't think are really getting due recognition. And I think a Except lot of that for comes Ted from Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso was like the one exception where everybody getting, loved Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah, but it's also kind of one of those ones where it's like I think. You still have, I don't, I wish we knew the subscription numbers to Apple TV plus and how many people, cause they, they're like giving that away to everybody. And so I want to know how many people are watching what, cause I look at a list like this and something like, not that it would be in comedy here, but like defending Jacob, which I know I've talked about a thousand times in this podcast, I just think was incredible. And yes. I think that there have You're been the things, number one advocate for defending I Jacob. <laughs> and I think that there are, there are certain shows on Apple TV plus Tehran being one of them. And like, that I just thought, especially last year were so good and are just totally, completely ignored. And it's and Ted Lasso is the only one to break through. Well, I mean, I would argue defending Jacob is much better than undoing. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like yeah, you know. So if we're gonna, you know, nominate one of those, watching paint dry is better than the undoing. You're not wrong. Yeah, but but ironically, I hope Shits gets it only because I have a strong love for Shits and Ted Lasso will be around a while, and I know that's hypocritical, and I get it, and whatever. But here we are. <laughs> ironically, by the same token, just to, going back to the undoing our favorite show ever, <laughs> the fact that of all people, Donald Sutherland didn't get nominated for that show, right? The standout, he who owned was that. the best on that show by mm. far, the best performance. He? Yeah, he kept it. He kept it intriguing, somewhat. I don't know if oh yeah, and then of course yeah. the writing let it down. But I mean, he had been the culprit at the end. We would have fucking loved that show. Oh, how bizarre! So most categories are broken down for the actor, actress, etc. by like lead essentially, and then mm-hmm. supporting. Unless you get to television, so there's best television actor musical comedy, best television actor drama. But then Not when you supporting. get to su- well, when you get to supporting, it's, a- it's just best supporting actor television. It either, yeah, oh. yeah. Oh, no, he is nominated. I'm sorry. Donald Sutherland is nominated in that. Okay. This makes no sense. So Donald Sutherland is nominated, but so is Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek, you know? And it's like like Jim Parsons. Why are they judged against each other? Right. It's John Boyega for Small Axe, which, I mm -hmm. again, I... The whole Small Axe series was very confusing to me because I felt like it was a movie, but it was TV. I don't know. It was. I don't feel like it was well categorized, but it's also hard to categorize. Anyway, so it's John Boyega for Small Axe, Brendan Gleeson for The Comey Rule, Dan Levy for Schitt's Creek, Jim Parsons for Hollywood, God forbid, uh... and Donald Sutherland for The Undoing. And I'm like, Dan Levy deserves an award for the show, but this is a bizarro category. Yeah. Yeah, that's a decision. Well, and really, it's the only comedy really there. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's just water about. Right? Yeah, it's weird. And he, de- and he deserves all the awards, but I don't. Yes. It's hard when you put something like that performance up against, you know, drama ones. I also, I find it so weird. And I know, I think they were in charge of getting to choose this. So it's not, I can't like blame anyone. But I think it's so weird that they kept putting him as the supporting actor and Eugene Levy as the lead actor. I was like, Dan Levy was the star of the show. That's just. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the only, only award I agree with for the Golden Globes without a question is that the Cecil B. DeMille Award is going to Jane Fonda. I'm like, okay, yeah, fine. One good choice was made here. Yes. I think my question is, are you going to watch the awards? Yes, because I am that person and I always do. And I'm, it's a sad reality of my life, but I will. Yes. I will not, but only because I don't have cable and trying to figure out how to stream it is more complicated than I'm willing to figure out. I will watch it in a blind rage, most likely. Yeah. 
Yeah, award shows. Well, the Globes and the Oscars are the two things that, like, you will catch me always watching every single year. I usually have a party for them, but obviously oh. this year's different. I know. I know. But I always those watch are, the like, Oscars, my things, and I But I, I don't them. always watch the Golden Globes. I usually find them very funny because it's always Ricky Gervais or, like, this year it's Tina Fey and Amy Poehler in recent years. Yeah. And I always find it, like, a stand-up routine, and it's funny. And I think this year will be obviously very different, <laughs> clearly. But uh, yeah. I just enjoy I just enjoy the whole thing. And it's, you know, some years it's more sour than others, you know, for both Oscars and Globes, where it's just like, oh, my gosh, the snubs are just too much to handle. And then there's some years where they're, of course, still snubs, but there's stuff that I feel very strongly about that I'm like, that's all I care about, so I can watch through that lens, <laughs> you know. But I always end up enjoying so. We shall see. I mean, I do feel the snubs this year, especially in television, were particularly heinous. Yeah, they are heinous. And speaking of things that were snubbed, but not completely, by the Globes, Judas and the Black Messiah, HBO Max, slash also in (laughs) cinemas, but HBO Max, what did you two think? I thought it was good. It wasn't, like, lovely. (laughs) There was such a pause. Well, I I was like, how do I say this? Because I don't, I didn't have problems with it per se it kind of was one of those i don't want to say it's not a biopic but like almost like when you see a biopic that you're like this might have been just a better documentary almost where it's kind of i i was i enjoyed it i thought the acting was really good and i thought some of the writing the writing was good but mm-hmm. i was just by the end of it it kind of was like oh, okay like i was hoping for more of a like arc i guess that i was looking for i don't know how to explain it but i but i thought it was good and i think it's worthy of recognition okay, okay. Yeah, I thought it was definitely worth watching. Enjoyed it. But yeah, I think I would have probably just preferred a documentary. I'm not even really sure why, particularly. I just, I guess, I think the story itself is so fantastic and so great that I just sort of wanted to know what the truth was. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't considered the documentary perspective. I think part of it is... It's a touchy subject for a lot of people, right? Yeah. I think even now the Black Panthers are probably still considered very radical. And I feel like adding the element of fiction helps make it more digestible to a wider audience. I think having the love story in it might have been harder to convey in a documentary. Because I think the actors are able to lend a sort of humanity in in this crafting of this. Not that they too, you know, they didn't experience a true humanity love story, whatever. But not everyone is when you watch them, or they, they're able to convey that sort of emotion. And so I feel like it made it more digestible for a wider audience. I would have a million times, and I do a million times prefer this movie over like Trial of the Chicago Seven. Because oh, me it's, too. It's oh, right. 100%. It's it's going over like very similar territory, and I'm like, oh. This is a film with a black creative team with black actors talking about the thing that was really probably more relevant to that community at the time in a year and slightly after the year. But, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter was such at the forefront and Trial of Chicago 7 sort of got to capitalize on the political capital of the summer because it came out early, but I was like, why didn't this come? Oh my God, I would have like absolutely tried to rush this out and get it out and be like, this is so much more relevant and important Mm -hmm. than Trial of Chicago 7. And yet Trial of the Chicago 7 is nominated for a Best Picture Golden Globe. And this is not, you know, only Daniel Kaluuya is nominated out of this cast. Yeah, well, and it didn't didn't brush over stuff, which is what's nice where I think Trial kind of did. And what's interesting about that is, obviously I thought Daniel Kaluuya did an amazing job. But I will say, and this has been a thing I've actually talked about with some friends in recent years, just in general, this happens a lot in all communities, but the black community, it seems to happen here where he's playing Fred Hampton and we have someone playing an important figure in in this history and it's played by someone who's not American. And I know that happens all the time, but we also saw it with like David Mm -hmm. Oliello playing 
Martin Luther King and stuff, and it's a thing where I think black actors and actresses sometimes, we don't treat our own with that same kind of respect. We'll treat someone when they have a British accent or they're from, you know what I mean? Like they come over and then mm-hmm. we'll play roles that what if we had like an American black person get to play and honor that legacy? You know what I mean? Like it would be, that would mm-hmm. be very meaningful, but I thought he did an amazing job. I love Lakeith Steinfeld and I'm like, I know he's been in so much, but I'm just like, keep on waiting for him to be more of a household name and break through and be kind of like not that other person, even though this is his film more so, I'd say, I guess. But I don't know. I'm waiting for him to kind of become what I think he should, because I think he's incredible. Very fair. Yeah. Yeah, I thought all of the performances were incredible. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think also it was a slight history lesson to me because I was like, I didn't realize Fred Hampton was only 21. I know. Like, I feel very I was, unaccomplished. Yeah, no, it made me feel a lot worse about my life. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Because I, I honestly, like, what? I knew, I don't know everything about Fred Hampton, but I knew who he was and I always assumed he was much older. Not like he looked old, but, you know, like, I just assumed he was like more of an adult. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he he had lived and he had accomplished many things that, you know, when I was 21, I was still like, I was a dumbass. I'm still probably a dumbass, but, you know, I was like really just not as plugged in as I wish I had been. Yeah, no, it, 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 I guess it probably speaks to the lives that different people have and like you get forced to grow up a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I guess I had the privilege of not having to do anything. Yeah, not having to do that. And there were some quotes that I appreciated in one of them. Um that I liked. I actually even wrote down why well, I, I liked it. Not I didn't like what he was saying, but I think Jesse Plemons' character said it. But he was talking to Lucky Seinfeld, and he said, "Like I'm all for civil rights, but you can't cheat your way to equality." <laughs> and I was like, "If that isn't the white problem right now, you know, you want to? Oh yeah, no, I totally, I, I, I totally agree with that. I care for that. That this and that, whatever. But like, what does it mean you can't cheat your way to equality? Like that's suggesting that you're not all born equal already. So it's this thing where it's like." You want to act like an ally and right. say this, but then you're, but you truly don't look at someone as an equal to you. And it's just like, I don't know, the way it was, the way it was delivered and written, I was just like, it was like a gut punch. <laughs> Stuck with me for sure. Yeah. I mean, this film did not pull punches, I felt like, but it also wasn't overly accusatory. No, no. At least to me. I mean, as a white man watching it, I didn't, I mean, I think that white people were made to look the way they should be made to look, but I didn't think it was something that was very, you know, overly like. You know, it could have even been more aggressive. About it wasn't it, I preaching. I mean, it deserved you know, it. Yeah, I, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think that it presented the facts very really well, but it wasn't preachy. Well, because it knows it's like it's like they knew all all you had to do was just present the facts and it'll speak for itself. Right. And maybe that's part of why I was like leaning toward a documentary type thing where I don't know how much is fictionalized versus what's totally real and all of it. But maybe it felt a little mm-hmm. almost like it didn't go over the top drama. It just felt very it felt real. But that's not a bad thing. But it just, it wasn't, uh, for a movie that was over two hours long, it wasn't, um, like, just barely, I think. I wasn't, like, edge of my seat, I guess. And I wanted more, a little more of a, you know, I don't know, like a hill (laughs) that I wanted to go up and then go down. It just, it felt more kind of like, okay, that was like a moment in time we witnessed and it was good. And then it was over. Yeah. I would recommend it. Like, it was good. And it it was, yeah, I'd recommend watching it. Speaking of things that are historical events and are simultaneously sensationalized, but we got the documentary version of, and not to compare the importance of Judas and the Black Messiah and Fred Hampton to one Britney Spears, but we also watched Framing Britney, which I was surprised that the New York Times is behind this. I mean, good for them. I I was surprised to learn that it's like a show, but this is just one episode of it. Me too. I I had no idea. I thought it was- I couldn't search for it. (laughs) 
luckily on my Hulu, it just like recommended it to me. It was like, hey, you should watch this. It knows me as a person. And it was like, hey, you're going to be really interested in this. And I was like, you're right, Hulu. You're (laughs) This is absolutely up my alley. Yeah. The documentary was well done, I think. And it was very interesting. I think the hardest part about watching that documentary was having to, and I was sort of talking to Matt a little bit about this before he had seen it. So, because we, we hadn't talked about watching on the show yet. But I think for me, it was very hard realizing that I had been sort of part of that problem and that I had sort of been complicit in the way that I laughed at the Britney's crazy jokes. I agreed, you know, in that famous YouTuber, you know, leave Britney alone, that kind of stuff. I laughed at him, but I also was like, oh, that's kind of true. We should just leave her alone. But I didn't actively sort of understand what we had sort of done to her and the way that they had sort of portrayed it in this documentary was hard for me to watch in that way where it was sort of confronting my own biases and my own sort of beliefs in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I've, you know, pretty much always been a feminist, but obviously we we grow and we understand more as we get older and we, we, we figure out what that really means, right? And the things that we did to her, you know, wouldn't wouldn't and did not happen to men, right? So Justin Timberlake got away scot-free mm-hmm. in a lot of this where, you know, Britney definitely did not, right? And just even the discussions about being too sexy and too to her, right? That's all misogyny and I did not recognize it. Yeah, well, and, and it's a product that we were, you know, of the times too where we weren't told to even try to recognize you know what I mean? Because it's like, we're also programmed just to be like, that's how the world works. And it's like, you know, and and not that it means anything. I was pretty young. Right. But totally. Yeah. I had a, I had a, I kind of talked to Jack about this too. When we spoke about it before I had seen it, I have actually been avoiding watching it only because I knew it was going to make me sad, which I know Mm -hmm. is not necessarily a reason not to consume something. But I, as a kid was very into Britney. I've always been into Britney, but I, I was like, my sister was all Backstreet Boys and I had Britney pictures plastered all over my wall. Like I had a collage of, I was really into Britney as a kid. And I went, mom and aunt <laughs> took my cousin and I to concerts. Like we were at Shoreline, you know, amphitheater in Mountain View, California. We, we were, I was mm-hmm. in, right. And so really, really into her. And so when the big breakdown and all that was happening, I wasn't like up to speed. I was pretty young, but I wasn't up to speed on like, the news and all that kind of stuff before the breakdown as much, you know, aware that she was in the tabloids and everything, but you know, I wasn't even old enough to be really probably enjoying them or reading them if I would have. But I know when that breakdown happened, I remember, I just remember it made me really like, it made me really sad because it was like one of those ones where, you know, you just love somebody and it was like seeing that. And so I'm not going to say I'm, I'm some elite person who was just like, oh, I always knew that this was, you know, like, I don't know, but I just know it made me sad. And then mm-hmm. I remember the day, when the song Give Me More came out, when Blackout was happening, which was the first album after the breakdown. And I remember when that music video launched, I think it was on TRL or no, it was something else. But anyway, I remember watching that video and I remember like to this day, cannot watch that video because she looks so dead behind the eyes and everything looks so, and I'm just like, oh my God. And I was so upset and whatever, to the point where that was the first tour since the Oops, I Did It Again tour that I elected to not go to because I was like, this is too sad. (laughs) But then- where I continue to be guilty is, I guess I wasn't looking at tabloids and this and that and being like, oh, whatever. Like I was like, oh, this is sad. And I just kind of ignored it, I guess. But I did then start going to her tours, like the circus tour and stuff. And so now it's like you look at it and you watch the doc and you see like, oh, well, that circus tour, like that money probably all went into her father's pocket. Not all of it, but you know what I'm saying? Like it was like going into the wrong. That's when she starts to be under that control all of a sudden. And that's one of the, my favorite concerts of hers I ever went to. And then 
I even went and saw her in Vegas and looking at that, it's like, oh God. And I, and even while watching it in Vegas, my friends and I were there just watching and just being like, this is such a fun show. All the hits, she's doing all the hits. It's all great. Like whatever. It's a good time, especially in Vegas. But she just was like, you might as well have had a, a Britney impersonator that is in, because she was lip syncing anyway. Mm-hmm. Britney was down there and she just was like twirling around doing the dances, but just kind of like going through the motions. And it was just a really fun time, but right. then also like depressing. And looking back, it's like, oh. <laughs> really depressing so obviously I've contributed too and it's just it's it's heartbreaking but yeah I did think it was it was well done and I I, I wish that it would lead to something good for her but I don't know that it will I think it, it was a very strange experience for me I was not a Britney fan growing up at all I I was also a Backstreet Boys person I don't think I had well I, I actually no I should admit to it I, I feel like I had weirdly negative feelings towards Britney in the sense that not until not in her music career necessarily, but I I remember this is very distinct in my mind. I just remember when she was on How I Met Your Mother and she did this like guest spot and I think it was post breakdown. It was like Britney come back blah blah, and I was just like, Meh. she's not a great actress, and that's fine. She's a singer. She's not an actress. And I remember her being on the show, and that's not it's not like the show was the most amazing thing ever, but it was funny and I really enjoyed it at the time. And I was like, she's not very good. She wasn't terrible. But she wasn't very good. And I was just like, why are we allowing this? Why are we? And, and it's the same with any stunt casting, right? But that right. is just like a memory for me of her that stands out where I was just like, this is not great. And then she plays a crazy person, like an obsessive person on it. I was like, I mean, I get the joke. Okay, she's trying to be in on the joke. Okay, fine, whatever. And then she just sort of fell off my radar for a long time. Like she wasn't on it for a long time. She, she showed up for a bit, she fell off it again. And I remember seeing that this documentary was coming out and being like, oh, and I feel like I learned more in reading about the documentary than before I saw it. And then in part because, you know, th- people had already seen it and were picking it apart and like explaining conservatorship, which was the most interesting part to me, learning about how that's clearly a very flawed system subject you know, to abuse and all that stuff. And yeah, it, it absolutely made me sad for her. And I'm sure there are other times where I was also complicit in making fun of her or just laughing at the situation and not understanding how severe it may have been for her at the time. I think it's obviously a bigger commentary on how we treat stardom and, and how we feel entitled to that level of excess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I do think like Instagram and things like that have certainly changed the playing field in terms of. Yeah, because yeah. they, can, they can take their own narrative in a way that she wasn't able to. But I right. think that even that sleazy paparazzi guy who oh when he was like she liked she liked us she never said go away blah 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 and it's like yeah, we have video nice of her fucking first. saying you know and yeah. that's the thing is like yes she played nice at first because what else is she gonna do right and that's also part of her persona too is how she treats these paparazzis because they're the ones selling the stories. So she does have to, in some ways, you know, at least at the time, because there was no other way for her without social media, she can't take her own narrative, right? So the only option she has is to be nice to these people who want to write stories about her, right? You know, and then he's trying to claim that she was fine and whatever, but she actually like beat up his car at that gas station when she was having all those difficulties seeing her children. and, And I think... I mean, well, the, the interviewer even called it out. They were like, yeah. what about the time she was saying no? Yeah. <laughs> and then he just explained it away. And I'm just like, you're, yeah. I, it made me unhappy that even the years later, he couldn't admit how wrong he was to be part of that system, I guess. And so for me, that's, that's where there's a weird sort of, this is where the filmmaking comes in where I was like, oh, I get what you're doing from a like storytelling perspective where you're trying to show us that this man had no sense of right and wrong about this, but you're also giving him a platform. Right. 
also the number of like music reviewers they brought in i was like are you the right people to be telling this story? yeah there were some people i was like yeah. like could you just not get access to certain people yeah. i'm really guessing like, which is they, quite possible there's I'm probably guessing. a lot of people who don't or who don't want to talk about it because they know they're bad guys in it bad girls well, bad in the situation you know and they could only get that one background dancer you know who was close to her to talk so i have a feeling that most people around her who actually were her friends at some point are trying to stay silent to help her get free. Yeah. At least that's I what mean, I, I hope. That... I hope she's not actually as alone as it feels like, right? In yeah. uh, in the story. She and she be, might actually yeah. be. I think she might be. It sounds like maybe that poor, lonely mom person. Oh, yeah. Like oh, her tour mom. Her paid mom, yeah. Her paid mom. Seems like maybe she was her only friend Yeah. for a while. And then it seems like she just kind of got let go. And she also didn't seem like she understood what was going on. Like maybe no. she wasn't like the sharpest tool. No, I don't think she. Yeah, because even at like the Vegas stuff, the residency, she was talking about how it was just the best time of her life, and I was like, of her life, not Britney's life. But yeah, like, well, if you really understand what that was like, maybe for Britney, I don't know that you would feel that way, <laughs> you know. Like, but she just kind of seemed like right. She, she seemed she like a nice, like, a nice lady. She was you know, a sweet just... old lady who was helping yeah. them out. Yeah. Who they called up. She's like, sure. Yeah. You know, who who loves Brittany and loved that that was part of her life for so long. And I wonder if Lynn had picked someone who was a little bit sharper. What could have That maybe prevented? someone could have could have protected her a little bit better. I don't know. Because the, I don't the know fact either. that it's her yeah. father, you know, that her father at the end of the day is like essentially a villain in this. Like you can't, you can't. Yeah. Un- That's like the, he would have hmm. found a way. Because yeah. even, even like, you know, when I was younger and you, you see the breakdown. Uh, and everything and all that happened right we're very aware it's happening and even then i th- i remember like because we could talk about and think that like oh this is like a princess diana situation where it's like the paparazzi did this right but you're not necessarily putting the pieces together being like well the only reason the paparazzi's there doing it is because people are buying the tabloids or we want to know or people want the information so it's like mm-hmm. one of those weird situations where you look at it and you can see it through a certain lens. And I don't think anyone has very fond thoughts about paparazzi, but I think a lot of people benefit from an entertainment value from what the paparazzi bring people without even thinking about it being paparazzi. Mm-hmm. And when the guy's talking and saying, oh, you know, she liked us around at first this and that, whatever, he's probably right that at the very beginning, she probably liked it. I mean, I, every celebrity I've ever met, which is not that many, did like paparazzi at one point because it was so exciting to be like, oh, people want to know what I'm doing because it's like it's that first touch of stardom. Well, it's yeah, it's a, it's a landmark of you've made it, right? Or it's totally. like it's a, it's a touch point. And then a lot of them make deals when they're smart. They'll make like the deals with the paparazzi. I've known celebrities who literally get bought, paid off by certain paparazzi. They give them all these different gift cards and stuff to be like, oh, t- let, tip me off when you're going to be somewhere. So I can come get the exclusive photo and we'll paint. It'll be a nice story. Like, you know, it's kind of like, okay, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I'll give you what you want so that, and that you're going to then also not disparage me. Like, you know, you're not going to sell it to some slash or, you know, trashy news source or whatever, right? That's going to say bad things. But then there is the clear tipping point where you see it. And that's like you touched on how it's like when he can't even admit, yeah, we took it too far. Can't even just say that. It was just this weird kind of like, God, you are, and, and the fact he's just sitting there, he probably, I don't want to, I mean, who knows? I don't know the guy, but he's probably was like, told all his friends, oh yeah, go watch, watch. I'm on the documentary about Britney. Like, you know, he, he, it's like a moment of fame for him. And I was like, this is gross. So I wish he had less screen because right. I don't think that that was worthy of letting him talk that much, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it does paint the picture I, of how awful it was. Yeah, I agree. It does paint the picture though, in a way that made it hard to watch. Yeah. Once we got the picture, I wanted him no more, but yeah. And, and clearly no one's saying that Britney has made 
great choices all the time, right? And I don't know that if I had unlimited money, basically unlimited money, I probably can't ever spend as much money as she has. And a bunch of people around me telling me that I was great and all my decisions were wonderful, that I wouldn't have made some of the mistakes she made. You know, marrying that guy for like 24 hours, remember, like a hometown person. Oh, yeah. And then Kevin Federline. I think he took advantage of the situation. Obviously, we didn't get to hear from him, so it's really hard to know what was going on there. But he clearly used the bad press in a way to take away her children or to have more control over children so that he could make more money. Or at least that's what I think happened. 100%. It definitely seems that way. And to be fair to her, I think raising children is ridiculously hard. And I think that it would be even harder if the paparazzi were chasing me 24-7. So I can't Mm -hmm. say that I wouldn't have driven with a kid on my lap at some point, you know, and does that mean that she deserved to have her kids taken away? I don't think so. I think that we're very quick to judge young mothers, especially. And I think in that situation, she had already had so much bad press that it really amounted to her losing her kids when I don't think, I hope that someone else wouldn't have lost their kids in the same situation. Agreed. I think the really one of the villains that we have not talked is, well, I mean, we've touched on it slightly, is Justin Timberlake. Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah. I'm really happy that this prompted him to issue a big apology, although it's way too little too late. Cause yeah, honestly, how many years too late? Like, honestly, it's honestly this... just like his HR department, or sorry, his PR yeah. department was like, hey, let me craft this for you. I knew, of course, we all knew when you watch Crime Your River, it's like, okay, it's about Britney, this and that, whatever. But again, I wasn't even all that privy at the time to the, the cheating. I don't remember that, that that much. So I was interested to learn about that. I've hated not hated, but I've had bad feelings about Justin since the Super Bowl with Janet. And that's always been because I'm a big Janet stan over here. It really always bothered me that he let her take the fall for all of that. And he gets invited back to perform years later and she's banned for life. It's ridiculous. And so I like that this prompted him to apologize to Brittany and then apologize to Janet as well, which Janet's probably like, I don't need this from you at this point. Like this is clearly meaningless because like now you're you're being called held to task. But well, right now, it's, the problem is it's performative, right? Yeah, because people are saying it to him now. Yeah, if he was putting his money where his mouth is, you know, or something and just being like, you know what, I'm going to donate this much money to leadership programs for women or I can't think of any organizations, but you know what I mean? I'm sure someone in his PR team can come up with a list of places that would make life better. Just ask Janet. Be like, Janet, yeah. pick a cause. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And I would be happy about or that, something. but it would still be performative in my mind. Yeah, it's, like it's still you, performative, you, but it, but it feels... People are, it's still at least something good's coming of it. It feels more actionable than this, well, you know, to be fair, it's a very well-worded apology, so it's hard to find... That you know he didn't write. Right, I just know he didn't write it. And that he, his PR people are good, and they were like, hey, this is turning on you, so you gotta nip this in the bud. I was old enough that I did know about Brittany cheating on Justin and I was devastated and I thought that I was very mad at her and did did she cheat though because I felt like and maybe this is just because I wasn't in the loop at the time it was unclear and that it was an accusation but she did she ever admit it that's the thing she never admitted it and we all just believed it because fucking Justin said it right or he implied it very heavily in his song I don't know that he ever actually came out and said she cheated I think that it's just that stupid video I think it's uh, I think that video came out and then I think that people started to draw conclusions. And the thing is, just like the Janet thing, did he do something wrong? Okay, I don't know. Because the thing is, is whether whether he meant to imply that or not in his video, that's what people took away from it. And he never told anyone otherwise. And that's the problem with the Janet thing. Did he do something specifically wrong? Not necessarily. When, he let, when she took the fall and he didn't, could he have spoken up and said some stuff? Yeah, he could have. He didn't. 
you know, and that's what it is. It's like the, he just chose to be complicit in these situations and like let them get dragged through the mud. He did something wrong eventually in that he didn't dispel the rumors that she cheated. At a certain point, he knows. Yeah. That's what I mean is he just lets it play out. He sees the reactions like everyone else did, I guess, and doesn't comment on it. And that's when he did the wrong thing. But what I mean is like, did he go out and just outwardly do yeah. something wrong right away on purpose? Maybe not. But like you let it happen okay. and yeah. that makes you just as bad. It's just, I hate it. I don't think she ever said she didn't cheat on him either. I think she just never commented on it, right? Not I don't really know. I think it was a, it's a no win, right? Because if she says, right. I didn't cheat, then everyone's going to be like, she definitely cheated. Yeah. And she says, I cheated, she cheated. Well, 100%. That's what I was kind of going to get at. Is like, it didn't matter, yeah. you know, if she said it or not. Yeah, she already lost. We yeah. wouldn't have believed her at this point anyway, because she was on her downward spiral in the public eye. That's the other great villain in this is the public and us. Mm-hmm. And, not, and, you know, not the yeah. royal us. Because I... <laughs> oh, yeah. But us as a collective, as people. Yeah. You know? I actually didn't end up finishing it, but I started reading Jessica Simpson's book. Oh. Which was interesting in that she talks about being in the Mickey Mouse Club with, like, the audition process and all this stuff with Britney and Justin and all this. Jessica Simpson in her book talks a lot about basically being an alcoholic and the... Mm-hmm. You know, she she opens by being like, I, it's 10 a.m. I'm drunk at my daughter's school. And I was like, whoa. Wow. I didn't know that, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she felt Yeah, she's like, I'm shaking. I needed the vodka. And I was like, whoa. And it, it, it's not the most well-written book ever, but there were there was a lot of tea in there. But she, she talks about the Mickey Mouse machine and all that stuff and that we as the public gobble it up and this sort of level of entitlement that, again, we said earlier, you know, feel entitled to that sort of access to them. And was was like, she oh. on the Mickey Mouse Club? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or she, yeah. She auditioned oh. it for sure. I don't remember. Yes, I'm sorry. I think she, she talked about Christina was in the class. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like Christina Christine? took her spot. Oh, okay. But I think, but I think she auditioned or something. And then yeah, she auditioned with yeah. Justin and Brittany, and then Christina, Christina suddenly like showed up late in the audition process, and it was like, bye. <laughs> oh, okay, because I, 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 I yeah, okay, uh, that that makes sense. Because I was like, I don't remember her on the Mickey Mouse Club, but. It doesn't mean that she wasn't. I'm not like some. I watched. No, it. yeah, I'm I, not like. I think that's what the. Or like I remember. Like, I've seen it three episodes seven times, and I do <laughs> not remember seeing Jessica Simpson <laughs> <laughs> lying. Liar. <laughs> she was not a musketeer. <laughs> but I just, I, you know, the the, and this <laughs> is also like ears. pre. <laughs> Her ears were made of vodka at the time. No, uh, <laughs> this is also like pre Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter and all that stuff. And so it's just crazy how even then the the influencer machine, you know, and I guess at least they have talent, you know, as opposed to some now who are like who are good at looking really pretty on, on yeah. whatever. What do we do? We think the reason is that the public decided to tear down Britney. And sort of leave like Jessica or Christina or you know any of those sort uh, of. I don't think Christina got off scot free either. Yeah, she didn't. So. But she I remember didn't get tore down yeah. the. Sim- I mean, it's not quite as bad. That's a good question. What do we think that they had that Chris that Brittany doesn't? Right? Was it just family? Brittany came first, and then I think Brittany. She's obviously the most popular, so that's part of it. Yeah, and also, and people like to go after. The ones with the biggest success and the biggest fame, of course, too. But the only one that I think really compared to Britney as far as commercial success probably was Christina. And I think the difference was that people didn't think Britney was talented. People knew Christina was talented. I think there's a difference there, too, where people didn't think she deserved it, too. Right. Like, where they were just like, and then she did so much press and so many things, whatever, was really, like, pumped out there as, like, this innocent, innocent and that. And then remember, gosh, the second, it was like, baby, one more time. 
I think when that it's album so came funny. out, it was like even the that song is like, I'm not that innocent. Like her music yeah. was telling us, and no one. Yeah, yeah she's literally it. from the start. She's like, no, I'm not. I meant, oops, I did it again. But as I say, that second album, it was like, then all of a sudden, I remember being in middle school and people like, oh, Britney got a boob job and all this, whatever. And it was like, it just started at this very kind of, I think they saw her being more sexualized than maybe, even though Jeannie in a Bottle is not, not sexualized. But I think Britney was more sexualized. And I think that women often, especially mothers, will respond to that in a certain way uh, against, because women like to cut themselves down in this weird way. Not saying that guys yeah. are the problem, because guys are the problem. But I think that, I don't know, it just, she just got targeted and then it happened. I mean, maybe this is fuzzy memory vision, but I feel like Christina embraced her sexuality. She was like, all right, you're going to call me like a slut, basically? Fine. You know, I'm going to be dirty with mm-hmm. lots of R's and kind of embraced it. And I can't remember again, because Britney really wasn't on my radar that obviously I still know all the lyrics to Oops, I Did It Again and Toxic. And like, there are plenty of Britney songs that I think I know and enjoy, but I wasn't a big fan to the same level like you might be, Matt. I feel like Britney Britney kept her good girl image going, even though the music was in contrast to that. Or or somebody around her tried to keep the good girl image mm-hmm, going. Mm-hmm. And people were having trouble rectifying those two things. And I think it's something easier for people to do now, in mm-hmm. part because Britney paved the way for it. Yeah, it is that sort of toxic masculinity, misogynistic thing where women are either the Madonna or the slut, right? Right. Yeah, I think you're right in the fact that maybe as the public, we couldn't let her be multifaceted multifaceted (laughs) like have a personality right she couldn't she couldn't be both right christina not to bring up a whole other thing with different opinions stuff but stuff aside as far as controversy goes with other things in the media with her look at taylor swift Mm -hmm. you know before any sort of like oh i did this i did that and like the kanye stuff even you look at it and i know people who just hated her because there's no way she's that nice so there's no way she's like she was doing the things for her fans like and she'd invite them over and do all this surprise for her fans all the time and it's like, oh, it's all performative. It's all a show. She just wants you to think she's this nice girl, but really she's a mean girl. And it's like, who says? How do you know? And even if it is performative, I'm like, well, her fans mm-hmm. are benefiting. They So what? where's the harm here? You know what I mean? Like she's mm-hmm. and giving them what they want. And so what does it matter? And yeah. And so it's a thing where it's, it's kind of a similar situation in more of a modern day where it's people don't like that Taylor says she's all innocent. Then she goes away after all this stuff, comes back with reputation and she's being all hard. And everyone's like, you're not that hard. I'm like, well, what do you want from her? She's like, she went away and said, you're right. I'm terrible. I'm a snake. I'm going to be the worst person, blah, blah. And she goes off with this album saying that she's awful. And everyone's like, oh, come on. You're not hard like that, blah, blah, blah. Go back to singing, you know, whatever. But everyone's like, oh, wait, you're mad. She wrote a song about John Mayer and how it made her feel. You know, it's just this thing where she can't win with the overall (laughs) world, but she's got her fan base and they drive her all the way home. And that's what Britney had. Even her fan base, even even when people might be making fun of her, the fan base still might make fun of her and still was like the first to buy her out because it's Britney, you know? Well, and that's kind of what I'm wondering, like, how did Britney get in such a spot where she was able to be preyed on by her? I mean, maybe it's because of the family. Yeah. If Taylor had an evil father, maybe things would have gotten different. I don't know. That, that That's what I'm trying to figure out is it is probably just the family, right? So she well, didn't have enough support. Do we think there's an example of a female artist who has been able to navigate multiple personas or, you know, themes or whatever like that successfully? I mean, honestly, I don't know if this counts or not, but maybe Ariana. Is she? I don't know if she's subject to a ton of scrutiny or not. I'm not sure, but uh, I feel like probably. she is. She probably is. I, I, I'm asking because I don't was know. She, like I, was she ever right. innocent though? Did ever anyone ever think she was innocent? Well, I mean, I've always kind of had. I've always kind of personally had issue with like the way that I feel like 
they try to push her looking like a little girl all the time and she's not. And I know they did that with Britney, but I was too uh-huh. young to notice her care. But with Ariana, I've always, sometimes it's like they make her look like a child and it's just crazy. And I don't know if it's her or if it's her record label or what's doing it, but sometimes that's kind of disturbing to me a little bit. Obviously, I love her. I think she's so talented, but maybe she's, if she's subject to it, I, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe there's not. Someone like Gaga came out and did her own thing, but was never trying to be innocent. She was actually trying to portray herself as weirder than she is, right? So, <laughs> um, and then Katy Perry kind of did right. that yeah. too, right? She I'm trying to think of someone like, who who went from innocent to whore or whatever. Or um, you could go the opposite way. The opposite way, whore to clean up your yeah. image. Because I think sexuality is at the core of it, right? The, the yeah. problem. Well, I mean, right? I, 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 um, I guess I would argue this was always overtly sexual in a lot of different ways, but you know, you see the roller coaster that Madonna's gone through in her career. And obviously Mm -hmm. she's always been a subject of scrutiny, but also kind of thrives off some of the controversy, I think. And I don't know if it's that she thrived off of it because that was her plan or if she just decided she was going to roll with the punches and you weren't going to break her down. And and she just made it through. Janet, same thing. They brought her out. She was super innocent, the little Jackson sister. And then she had to like rewrite herself and come out with control. And all of a sudden it was, and all the questions were just kind of, oh, what does it make? Oh, powerful woman. What does this mean? And your control, this and that, like, blah, blah. And she's just like, it means what it's, what it sounds like. I'm in control of what I'm doing now. So like, fuck off. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, But she's always been a subject of scrutiny too. And she's always been on the tabloids and all that kind of stuff. Whenever she'd have a big moment in her career throughout the nineties. It's like, we like to tear women down. And it's really really sad. It's just really sad. And this is a prime example, but I think Jackie, I think you might be onto something in that. I mean, look, we already talked about her, her friend slash whatever manager, whatever, not manager, but whatever she was on the tour, the tour paid, mom kind paid of. mom. Yeah. I mean, look at that. Brittany got a record deal. I can't go because I have a kid in school. Obviously, dad's kind of MIA. So can you take her? Just look at that. And then we talked about this woman seems very sweet, but not much like an actual authority figure in any way. And it's kind of like, who was protecting <laughs> this kid? Who was protecting this kid when all because right. the music industry is crazy, right? Like just the worst of the worst kind of people. Like mm-hmm. who was standing up for her? And her just, you know, the things that she was getting into. She wanted this her whole life. Mom and dad wanted it for her. So who knows? Chicken to the egg, right? But she knew this is what she's trying to do is be famous. So she did whatever she had to. And it, who knows what that entails and who, you know, so it's, it's really, it, it is interesting. But I, I guess it probably does boil a lot down to your support system and it kind of being not as, not as there as you really think it should be for a teenager who's breaking into the pocket world. Well, because, I mean, Christina Aguilera had an absent father, right? Yeah. But, like, no, truly I... absent in the sense that I don't think she actually met uh, him. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, that's what Stronger's I... about. Stronger's about her relationship with her dad. Oh, okay. So. Stronger's a Britney song. Oh, I'm sorry. What's the Christina one? The ballad? One? I was like, I know that entire routine. Oh, is it Beautiful, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Beautiful. You are beautiful in every single way. But one of one of them is about her father. One it's of about, her, like, okay. how her father sort of abandoned her and, and how she was okay anyway. But that's the but thing. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know a ton about, I'm not a big stan of hers or anything, so I don't really know. Oh, her, I just looked it up. Her, she has stated that her father was physically and emotionally abusive. Christina. Okay. Yeah. Well, and you look at someone like the, the tragedy that is, I mean, someday there'll be a movie about it, I'm sure, but the 90s of you know, Mariah's career, you know, yeah. and it's like this talent I mean, and she, there has she, already been plenty. I, yeah, <laughs> I guess they're probably, yeah, I don't know, but she, but it's just it's so sad. And I guess she kind of was painted coming out as like this kind of the innocent kind of, Oh, so pretty. And so this and that, whatever. And then just got yeah. abused throughout her career yeah. until she emancipated herself, you know, and it's just kind of like, you look at that <laughs> it's, it's sad. Well, yeah. And I, I think, I think you hit on something too with that though, is that everyone is always said that Mariah was talented. 
Mm-hmm. Also, speaking of Mariah, I think it's interesting. I was listening to some other podcast because uh, other ones exist, apparently. No. What? And they had been talking about revisiting meltdowns, like famous meltdowns, and that they rewatched the TRL Mariah thing. And really, it's not a meltdown. It's no. not that crazy. She was like a little like zany in the moment. But what she did, if you did that now, would just be considered a stunt, right? Yeah. It's like, I brought ice cream. Okay, cool. And it just got so blown out of proportion that Mm -hmm. I think our standards for extremities have changed, certainly. And maybe that's part of the reason why Ariana, I mean, she's under a lot of scrutiny, but maybe because she has her own Instagram and or social media, she actually controls the narrative a lot better than some of the, you know, than the 90s girls did. Oh, yeah, I think absolutely. And Paris Hilton talked about this in her documentary Mm -hmm. in that it took a lot of the power away from the external sources. It comes with a price, of course, but you devalue other people capturing you in these moments, potentially. But all I got to say is look at those photos and they touched on this talk, too. But look at the photos, Paris, Brittany and Lindsay. And it's like, where are they now? And all three of those girls are completely just cut down. You know, (laughs) Paris, Paris is doing the best, I guess. Yeah, I would say. But even watching that doc, I would arguably say she's not doing wonderful. Totally. Yes, that's what I mean. But it's like, but she's probably out of the three of them. Yeah, she seems to be the most in charge of her life at the moment. Lohan is, you know, not in a good place. Like, sorry, bag of worms. But I'm just like, you know, you look at it. Yeah. There's a time. There's a a time here where it's not to say the public is completely to blame for everything wrong with any of these people, but it's a thing where there's clearly something wrong with. The what we industry, like the what, and the, just the cycle here, that when we people have these kind of breakdowns, and something can be said. I know we're just listing off white women at this point, but something can be said about the Amanda Bynes stuff, and people were so entertained by her Twitter and this and that, whatever. I'm not saying I never laughed at anything she said, but when you start to realize, okay, she's not well, it starts to get you kind of a whole different lens. Where you're like, this is just really sad, and I just hope she gets help. This is like, what what the hell's going on? But we have this thing where you like to see people that you think maybe are powerful or have better things than you have. You like to see them taken down a notch, I think. Not you, but, you know, you as people. (laughs) I also have a question. So what do you think of that angle? So Amanda Bynes clearly has some issues, right? But in the Britney doc, you know, bringing it back to that, she hires her own lawyer. And then the judge tells them that he has a medical document that the lawyer is not allowed to see, which is wild to me. But the lawyer's not allowed to see it, but that dismisses him as viable. Yes, this feeds into something I wanted to also bring up is, yes, we the public have blamed, but there's one kind of common factor in a lot of this in that these people are all ones who started young. And where are the parents? You know, mm-hmm. where are the, and the, I was about to say Joe Simpson. That's not, that's Jessica Simpson's dad. What's his yeah. name? What's the dad's name? Jamie, uh, Jamie Spears. Oh, oh yeah. Jamie Spears. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Jamie Spears is, is it being really, a terrible. Did they name her after the? Because Jamie mm-hmm. Lynn. Yeah, it's Jamie and Lynn. Jamie and Lynn are the parents. Yeah, it's oh, terrible. Gross. It's so nar- well. Actually, I shouldn't say because I'm named after my parents. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Dana's parents. We love you still. I know, but so I'm just like this is a scenario where I think parental greed has come into play and yeah. that. But do we think that the mental illness is an excuse? So say Brittany does have some sort of diagnosis, which the, the judge who presumably isn't paid off, right, which I don't I don't know how likely that is or what's going on there, right, sees some sort of document and she is diagnosed, which, you know, a doctor can be bribed, right? Let's not, let's say that. But do you think that they use the mental illness 
in order to, you know, take over the finances to be greedy. Is that forget the bribery part of it? There's still the public perception part, right? Where if you maybe hopefully less so as a doctor, but still hopefully not, you know, as a judge, if you have been inundated with this person has been the public eye for however long, and you see them behave in certain ways, or their behavior is presented in certain ways, you're like, yeah, they're crazy. And somebody presents you a flimsy document that says like, this person is maybe borderline not well. It's like, nope, they're not well conservatorship. Here you go. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that Brittany had been asking for just a different conservator, she wasn't like, I want to be free of this. I want to self-manage. I want to whatever. She was like, I'm accepting of this situation, but I want someone else in charge. A third like neutral party to me says that the dad is skeezy as hell. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I- oh, totally. But her consenting to needing it, to, to saying, okay, sure, I'll have a conservator. Clearly so that she can see her kids, I think is the point of her doing that. But there was a medical doctor, someone at that point had done something to where the judge is saying, you're going to have a conservator. So like, then she decided, let me try to fight for who that's going to be because I don't want it to be my trash dad. It's kind of multi-layered, you know what I mean? But it started somewhere. Why did she need a conservator mm-hmm. really? Did she? She obviously doesn't need a conservator, right? In the definition in the law, I don't think. You know, I don't think anyone who can tour that much. I guess at the time, at the time, was there evidence? Yeah, what was the and, evidence and that was saying she time, should? Right, you know? and that, that lawyer's right in the sense that we don't know what we don't know, right? So mm-hmm. we can't we can't speculate Comment when we don't on, know yeah. what we don't know. But I think they use, you know, when it happened the first time, and it's very hard to get out of, apparently, according to that one lawyer, she's never, ever seen anyone actually get out of one, which is chilling. I think that they used mental illness as an excuse to take advantage, obviously, of her finances, whether that means that she actually has some sort of diagnosis where she should not be making these decisions, or if she just has some mental illness that can be taken care of with meds and or therapy or whatever it is, but it's misunderstood by the larger public. Yeah, and regardless of how everything came about, it's clear to me, it seems that dad came in and saw an opportunity and was Mm -hmm. like, okay, cool. And it disappoints me mostly, I think, I don't know the whole history and the situation, but disappoints me that maybe mom didn't step up and try to become that instead and kind of being like, guy, you haven't been here all these years. So like, why should you be here all of a sudden? Not, not even thinking of it of a benefiting type of thing, but why are you responsible for decisions? You didn't even raise her, you know, at this point. I just want to know what Lynn did this whole time. Where has Lynn been? Too. Why isn't she speaking out against this? I mean, there's she's theories and stuff. I mean, but she's silenced. Oh. Also, maybe, maybe at the time to give her a tiny bit, you know, maybe she was very overwhelmed by the situation and was worried that like, okay, fine, this guy's been absent however long, but he's still her father, right? And mm-hmm. gave more, put more faith in him than he absolutely deserved, but was like better him than some third party, whatever, who could take even more advantage of and tried to believe the best. Because it's also, it's the father of your kids, right? You're probably, yeah. you know, you are not objective when it comes to this person. Yeah. I think perhaps the most disturbing thing about it all is that interview with the brother. And making the comments about, well, the women in this family, you know, very strong minded, that's all okay and stuff. But as a man, that's kind of a lot. And that just shows you where they come from. And to me, that's the kind of thing I, you know, it's a bold statement, I guess, but that trickles down from the parents. So that to me tells me that Lynn is probably a sheep and that Jamie is a lion and that's it. 
you know, like in the, well, and, that, and it. I mean, in that comment alone was, it was so disturbing. chilling. It was, it was so gross because it, it was such an attitude of, well, if she is even she obviously heavily no, implies that she deserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But it's but he's just mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, but you know, women can't make decisions, and it's like, yeah, Whoa, essentially, buddy. and that to me would, would suggest that mom probably. I mean, who knows? I, you know, but maybe mom has a history of being silenced by dad. And if dad came back and said he was going to handle this, mom just said, okay, you yeah. know, and, and I don't know, you know, I don't want to yeah. fault her and blame her, but I just feel like in hindsight, of course, it's 2020, but I just, you know, your daughter's going through all this and everything. And it seems to me, I mean, I can tell you right now, if this was me and that was our situation, my mother would fight tooth and nail to be my conservator. If I, if it was going to be a thing where I was going to get one, no matter what, my mother would fight tooth and nail. For oh, hundred percent. Like there's just no way that, you know, if my dad was estranged like that and this and that. Well, and at and this point. The thing is that if I knew that my daughter was unhappy right now and that I even have public support, which she does, right? So there is some love level there. I would help her. I feel like at this point you you are so far into this and you are so scared of because I you know, I think she was scared to take that responsibility to start and then scared to speak up at any other point that you're so scared. Mm-hmm. You've, you've just been living in fear of taking on the responsibility or the backlash or the challenge of fighting this fight that it's just easier to remain silent. I'm yeah. not saying that's the right no, thing totally. to totally. And she might be, I mean, for all we know, she might be receiving a small salary for keeping quiet. I mean, we don't know. You know, I'm not, I don't want to incriminate people here, but if there's anything that we know, it's like you watch, like right now she does not seem super well. But in the last like 10 years, she's had plenty of moments seeming totally, we've watched, you know, since she had her comeback, as they call it. And she's been under this conservatorship. She's been fine. And everything's just been allowed to happen. And I just feel like, yeah, you, you, if you're in that situation and it's really upsetting to you in a way that like you're not being bought off or whatever, you do speak out in some way. And it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of effort. She's largely missing. Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing left me feeling like I thought it would. It's bad. <laughs> you know? I was like, I love that. It was like, we don't want to end on a sad note. Britney Spears, wow. hour long. Like, what? I, no, I, I agree. I mean, I felt like the documentary itself was okay at best. Yeah, that was fun. You know, like in terms of production. But, and, and it wasn't, it got blown up to be more than it was. It was part of a series. It wasn't meant to be this like, oh, we're only focusing on Britney Spears. Yeah, I definitely thought it was going to be like a two hour documentary. But a scathing expose of whatever. So I guess the question is, would you recommend it? Or would you recommend reading this stuff on it? You know, is, is the documentary necessary to be a part of this conversation? I would recommend it. I think just given the fact that it's prompting these conversations, and I've seen a lot of people, celebrities included, kind of going on there being like, wow, we all did this and that kind of thing, you know, like kind of seeing that kind of part of it where it's like, you know, we need to take, if nothing else, kind of like the Paris Hilton thing, it paints a picture for like, this is a problem with the way we are as humanity and the way we treat celebrity and the way we treat so whether it's about Britney specifically or not, it is kind of a cautionary tale, if you will. I think about this is really effed. This should not be happening, and it does, and these are the reasons why. I think for that, it's effective enough and, and deserves to be watched, so I would recommend it. Yeah, agreed. I agree. I would recommend watching it. It brought up a lot of stuff for me, and I, I think the discourse around it is really interesting, but I'm a visual medium sort of gal, so I enjoy seeing it also. So I would, I would, I would agree that you should watch it. Yeah. I think the, the the struggle for me is, again, the platform that was given to the paparazzi dude and that 
I think by the time I watched it and I had done a, you know, a vortex of articles about it instead, I was like, oh, I feel, I don't know if the documentary itself actually ended up adding more to my knowledge than uh, parts of it were, but, but I I also acknowledge that it's what inspired the articles. (laughs) They may have been written anyway because of the case, because of the conservatorship stuff, because of whatever. So I don't regret watching it certainly, but I am at this point hesitant because of the way it kind of almost perpetuates this, but Maybe it'll be worth it once she gets out of it or hopefully that she gets out of it or gets a different conservator and that it'll all have been, I'd be more comfortable recommending it in that scenario, you know, sure, like, sure. Oh, it made a difference. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was tough. It was a tough watch, but it was- I mean, I, I, I hope that she's sending us messages through her Instagram um, and is actually very well, but you know, I, I follow her on Instagram and I see those videos and I, I would, <laughs> I wouldn't say she seems very well. So, but in fairness, how many of us are actually well right now? You know, (laughs) I mean, I still think like there's probably a level of something going on there. But at the same time, I was like erratic behavior right now. A lot of people are experiencing that. And well, you know, we're all for me. I don't think she seems super well right now. And I don't think she seemed super well before quarantine and stuff like that either. But it's something where do I think she's probably well enough to take care of herself and have any sort of joint custody of her kids? Yes, I do. 100%. But it's like in the situation and what she's been going through and all of this is probably taking a mental toll on her like no, no, nothing other, you know, like, and so I think she's well enough. Yeah, agreed. I think if she is mentally ill in some way, which I think we can all pretty safely say we think she is, I think that she would be able to handle it a lot better if she had autonomy and didn't feel like she couldn't do anything. I'm not sure she is mentally ill. I think she may have suffered a breakdown that may have had like lasting effects, but I don't know if that's the same as having a chronic mental illness, you know, that's like her biology. I don't think she's mentally ill right now. I just mean like, is she doing well? I don't think so. I think she's like- Yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm just saying, you know, that the excuse has been she's mentally ill. That's why there's a continued need for conservatorship. But I'm not someone who necessarily is convinced that- For me, I I wouldn't be surprised if she had like anxiety or depression or something like that. Yeah, I guess guess for me, it might be a chicken egg scenario where I'm like, okay, maybe she had one brain breakdown but because of the fallout from it she's forced to live in the state of yeah continued whatever it may be I, but it's also possible that she suffers from you know whatever it may be yeah. i'm just saying like i'm not like this is a clear cut and dry case of oh no that person 100 whatever yeah no i i absolutely could be wrong i'm not saying yeah. you know well and, and we don't even have to go in you could talk about it for another three hours but it's a thing where like you can go in <laughs> but you could go into the breakdown and argue, was it even a full-on, like, full-on breakdown? Or was it F off, like, whatever? She shaved her head and was like, leave me alone, protest and stuff. And she's so expected. And she was she was getting made fun of about her weight and this and that and all these different things. And just kind of be like, okay, you want me to not be this beautiful thing anymore? Like, whatever. And then when she goes off in that paparazzi guy, I probably would have done that. I'd probably do that tomorrow if someone was harassing me like that. You know what I mean? And it's the thing, I guess, does that mean I have yeah. a mental breakdown? Yeah. I guess you well, could argue. especially after that she, fighting. Yeah, I mean, all the things, she, and she was just trying to go see her kids and being denied and stuff. Like, we call it a breakdown, but is it really even a breakdown or is it just kind of a human reaction to being so abused by just all these forces around you to where you're just like F off, you know, whatever, like I, you just kind of hit your breaking point. But I don't know. Like, I, I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily think she's mentally ill. I just think she's not well right now as far as happiness goes. And that could be depression. It could be what, but I just, you know, I don't know. I hope for the best. Brittany. Well, I think getting that court decision probably didn't make her feel good either. So 
No. No. Sorry to open the can of worms again, but. I know. Well, on that note, that somber, (laughs) somber note. Thank you both. We will continue watching things next week. Thank you once again to Jackie and Matt. And now the follow-up points. So in terms of Minari and its eligibility or ineligibility in this case for Golden Globes Best Picture Drama, according to the Golden Globes website and guidelines, motion pictures that qualify for the Best Motion Picture Foreign Language Award also qualify for awards in all other motion picture categories except Best Motion Picture Drama and Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy, which are exclusively for English language motion pictures and Best Motion Picture Animated which I'm not quite sure about that. Foreign language films are deemed to be films that are 51% non-English. Minari is in about 70 to 71% Korean. I think this is an antiquated and xenophobic and a little bit racist of a bylaw and is kind of absurd. There's a couple of issues here. One is that the structure of it is basically saying that any film that is not in English or mostly not in English or even 49% not in English could not be considered the best film of the year. And a film like Roma or a film like particularly Parasite prove that yes, absolutely, films that are not in English are excellent films and are, if we're comparing them, the best film of the year. But by automatically disqualifying them from competing against films in English, there's just an inherent bias there. And then two, I find there to be issue with the fact that while it is technically foreign language film, usually this category is foreign film. And the Globes are eking by in that it's foreign language film. But in general, I feel like Minari has been penalized for being an American film that happens to be in Korean. But that has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.